not that this would be good for... Yeah. <laughs> it would actually be really bad for us. But yeah. in theory, really yeah. Bad. In theory, but, yeah. It'd be but, great for me. I'd be holding the Bitcoin. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome everybody to the inaugural episode of Table in Latin. Uh, you probably have to Google that. But it is the unofficially, officially unofficial, right? Mensa podcast. Uh, and so what does that mean? So we're all in this organization called Mensa. Mensa is the high IQ society. Um, we're kind of smart, I guess. I'm Ben Clark. Uh, my favorite color is vermilion and I really like pizza. This is Joel Mahalik. Again, you have to face the microphone when you're talking. This is Joel Mahalik. He is my uh, technical director for uh, Table in Latin, which means he's set up everything here, does everything here, will edit everything here. So really, Wait, this I'm is his podcast? This? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is how Ben pitched this to me. Yeah. He was like, hey, uh, I want to make like a Mensa podcast. Uh, do you want to be like the technical producer? <laughs> I was like, so you want to use all my equipment? And he's like, yeah, and we'll shoot it at your apartment. <laughs> I was like, so basically I'll do all the work. And then you'll be the spokesman. And he's like, exactly. And it was like, okay, I'll get the widest lens I have to capture your ego. <laughs> and here we are. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Mensa, uh, I just, you know, we got to go into what that means a little bit because a lot of people have different ideas of like what Mensa is as an organization. And uh, everybody who joins it joins for a different reason. Um, I myself joined it because um, I didn't think I could get in, honestly. Like, I was hanging out with a lot of people in the organization. I was attending a lot of groups. I was attending a lot of uh, group events within Mensa, and people assumed I was a member, and it kind of felt dirty. So <laughs> I wanted to see if I could get in. I did, and you don't get an IQ, like, score when you get in. So I don't really know, but I'm positive I am, like, the bare minimum. So... It's possible, people. You can get into Mensa. Um, I had I had this idea that it was like some sort of like Illuminati governmental control, but really, we just sit around and drink, and it's pretty great. Uh, Joel, what was your impressions of Mensa? Joel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joel, what was your impressions of Mensa <laughs> before you joined? Um, I had a friend in high school that like made a joke of like, oh well why don't you join Mensa? And uh, I didn't know what that was. And then he told me about it. And then like six years later, I was like, maybe I should try. Because a lot of times you think you're smarter than uh, you probably are. And I actually wanted to disprove myself that I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. Uh, so I took the exam and then I got in and I was like, fuck fuck, I have to do something with my life. <laughs> Such a burden. Yeah, it's it's like um, I actually lost a lot of hope for humanity when I, I, I was like, wait, I'm the smart one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a reality check for sure. Yeah, uh, but I, 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 I do want to say that uh, IQ is uh, just a test of one form of thinking. And uh, it's mostly about pattern recognition and being able to learn quickly. It doesn't necessarily mean that um, you have better abilities than other people. There are other things than IQ that matter. Yeah, like sick gains. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
If you're not watching the video podcast, uh, you're missing out why Ben wanted video on this podcast. And it's because he spends Joel, several hours at the gym. I'm not even wearing a tank top. Like, this could be so much worse. Yeah. Um, I can't, thank you, I can't talk. Yeah, I know. I, was, There's several I didn't want pictures. to distract too many people. There's several pictures of me with my shirt off on yeah. the internet. So. Yeah. I mean, same. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally my whole Instagram, so. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, we joined Mensa for different reasons. We're in it because we've met a lot of really cool people in Mensa, and that's one of the things that I really wanted to showcase with this podcast, with Joel, who I met through Mensa, who really hated me when he first met me, and now here we are several years later, where I'm still suspicious that he still really hates me, but <laughs> tolerates me for some reason. And <laughs> this is this is how I this is my power play. Yeah. Um, this is my move is just yeah. making people feel really uncertain how I feel about yeah. them. It's it works. Uh, I have no close friends, <laughs> but everybody that I know is just a little little uncertain about like how much I like them. When's he gonna skin me? <laughs> when am I gonna die? And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the podcast. I hope everybody likes it moving forward. I wanted to showcase some of the really cool people that I've met in Mensa and the really cool things they do. Um, one of them today is my friend Jason Civilari. Uh, so let's get into Jason really quick. He's a professor of law, the University of New Hampshire, went to UC Irvine for law, also got an MBA, uh, is compliance at my crypto, and most impressively for me, paid off all of his student loans via cryptocurrency. You are the founder of Split, but you aren't anymore. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, uh, sold out of that operation. Um, I'm involved with uh, my crypto, my Ether wallet. Uh, for any crypto nerds that might be listening, uh, Bitmain. Uh, right now, I'm raising for Hive One, which is a cool project. Um, and then, yeah, just generally doing legal guidance and publishing throughout the community, trying to keep people out of jail until the revolution begins. <laughs> <laughs> is that, that's a big thing, too, especially with uh, with Bitcoin, is trying to keep people out of jail because they don't pay their taxes on it. Oh, and then... oh that's the least of the worries. <laughs> Are you going to pay your taxes? That's all? All right, yeah, we can oh, work with cool, that. We're like, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, wait, so before we get into everything else, what would be some of the other worries other than not paying your tax? I thought that would literally be the be-all and end-all of it. Oh, there's so many. I mean, so the big one right now is securities law. Um, I would rather get caught not paying my taxes than accidentally defrauding myself selling securities. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so you, you get into this really nuts and bolts kind of boring legal stuff. Uh, but outside of what people actually pay me for, um, I think one of the real fun ones is the, the sex trafficking and sex workers. Yeah. Um, I work with a couple companies that cater specifically to sex workers and navigating all of those types of laws, keeping the girls out of trouble while still clean and in compliance, but also giving them uh, more feasible payment options than using uh, PayPal or banks that tend to shut them off once they find out they're uh, uh, working in that field. High-class escorts. Yeah, yeah. It can be adult stars. It can be strippers. I, yeah. you know, It's just a whole branch of uh, entrepreneurs. They know how to make a lot of money, and there's a lot of reasons right now why they end up getting oppressed through sex trafficking or pimps or that type of stuff. And a lot of it actually has to do with banking or finance. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, we'll get into that later for sure. Cause that's, that's like one of the major things I want you to talk about. Cause I know that's, that's oh, your passion. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, like yeah. where we are right now. Uh, for everyone, including myself, I actually had Bitcoin. We talked about this a little bit earlier. I, I'm not going to say how much I had or how many I sold, but it was cool and I liked it, but now I don't know anything about it anymore. And <laughs> I really feel like I didn't know anything about it to begin with. So uh, explain in the best, most concise way you can 
how cryptocurrency works and how people can use it. Most people that I talk to at this point have heard of Bitcoin. Yeah. And they think of cryptocurrencies. They're like, okay, is this thing going to replace the Fed? Yeah. No longer use dollars. Sounds like bullshit to me. And it, it is. Yeah. Totally is. Yeah. Um, that was the original iteration was Bitcoin. But what Bitcoin really did, um, even though it was trying to be a world currency, was it created a method to keep a record that is accurate and trustable and is capable of op making some com uh, programmatic operations without anyone running it. So there's no central control. There's no custodian. There's no Amazon, you know, any company in between. And that's never happened in history. Uh, you know, Moses was writing things on slates back in the day. Yeah. We don't have those slates anymore. It's not like there's an immutable <laughs> record that we can go to and say, oh, there's the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's just never existed in the history of humans. And uh, recently... We've paid a lot of money to people to do that for us, and sometimes turns out they don't do it perfectly. Yeah. And so that's the real core of this whole blockchain, is just having this sort of like a natural resource of record keeping out there that we can all depend on and all have ways to write to under certain rules. Uh, and as long as everyone's following those rules, no one can mess with it, no one can change it, and no one's charging for it. Yeah. And so that's the big excitement about this and so the first use case was money and you can think of that you hear uh, decentralized ledger distributed ledger and satoshi nakamoto is cause of that uh, he was following the digital cash movement with the uh, cypherpunks he was just the next step in in about 30 years of evolution there is he a um, real person did we ever figure that out no. Uh, who knows? Yeah. At this point, I, I'd almost prefer that nobody These, finds out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's a couple of people who claim to be him. Um, they're actually suing people who say, no, you're not Satoshi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're yeah. going to court about it. So that'll be kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we don't really know who created it. Uh, it's There's a few theories that might hold water. One of them is a real famous cryptographer who died in 2014. So we yeah. may never know. Yeah. And, we'll just uh, we'll just say it's him because that makes it really easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just say it's Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus came back, gave us this new like physical capability we Oof. couldn't do. Yeah, he, he was and you've been raptured out of student debt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he sees the world. He's like, man, there's one thing I missed. You know, and he, he <laughs> dropped, he's like, here, here, guys, here's this immutable record thing you can all use. Now go fix yourselves. And like, you know, it kind of feels that way sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's the basics of it. We, we can get into node sharing on a p2p network and all that that's that's boring what it is you can submit it to a source and it's not called dropbox it's not called google it's not called the housing department or uh the fed yeah it's just something anyone with a computer can write to and have access to that's like the internet but not hosted anywhere and that's that's essentially it i know we're all in mensa here but i understood like 10% of what uh -oh. you just said. All right. uh, but yeah. that's good. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. I, I totally got it. Oh, yeah, yeah cool. Um, I, imagine yeah. writing something down and no one can erase it. That's more or less it. I got you. Yeah, <laughs> including yourself, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to know, because uh, you've been doing this like professionally for a long time. And in before that, I remember you telling me some really cool stories about stuff you've done personally with crypto. So uh, don't implicate yourself in anything. But what's the coolest thing <laughs> you've done utilizing cryptocurrency oh. or crypto in general or blockchain or whatever? I mean, there's, there's a number of them. Um, for the most part, it's actually it's pretty lame. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, not those. The coolest the, thing. The coolest one? Yeah. <laughs> it's cool to me. You know, it, yeah. someone makes a piece of art and then uh, securitizes it online. You can buy a piece of the art and then display it. You have the rights to display it on your website. You know, and that's just a system that wasn't there before where you could trade it between people and you didn't have some rights manager in between you. Yeah. 
in actual practice, you watch me do it, it's really boring. You're like, God, yeah. those look like Tamagotchis. Like, why are, we, why are we doing this? Is this 1998? And yet, I'm sitting here, I'm like, wow, we created digital scarcity of something yeah. beyond Bitcoin. Like, this yeah, is yeah, really yeah. cool. Yeah. And uh, so, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I think the other side of it is just, um, you know, random stuff. Getting flown in by the government of Kuwait to be their, like, personal guest of the royalty in Kuwait. Oh, that's to cool. To teach them, you know, yeah. like, you know, here's how to start thinking about smart contracts and, and regulation. And, yeah. and you go in and you go into a country where, where they can't drink. There's no alcohol or, or anything like that. Um, there's no pornography. It's all blocked off in yeah, the country. Yeah, yeah. You can't say anything bad about uh, Allah or, or Muhammad. You can't say anything bad about the royal family. Like, all right, so come help install a censorship-free yeah. technology that can just totally circumnavigate all the rules. Exactly, that in it's, place like, for that. it's like they're asking you to come into their country and install a system that can completely like deregulate their entire government oh, and change their culture yeah, and change I, their culture yeah. and change everything about them so it's like you're like okay yeah. <laughs> and, and they get those questions They're like well so how do we maintain that no one talks bad about all i'm like don't use blockchain i, yeah, I don't know what like, else to tell you it's uh, really okay that's yeah. cool so it's it's interesting and they're super nice about it you know they, that's cool um so yeah a lot of stuff like that and to be doing that in your 20s is, is Pretty awesome. No, right? yeah, yeah. I'd definitely say that was a lot better than uh, what I did, which was play World of Warcraft. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> that literally my entire 20s. <laughs> Let's see. Just just to get a better handle on everything, really, too, because you were talking about earlier about how uh, blockchain and Bitcoin and everything has the potential, it had the potential to completely remove the Federal Reserve and replace money and all that shit. Can you explain to people, like, the difference between what Bitcoin was trying to be and like what a government issued fiat currency is. And at the end of the day, all decisions, right? maybe not all decisions, but most decisions, including at the governmental level, is some level of guessing. Yeah. And maybe you're backing it up with statistics and that type of stuff. And so for the last 150 years, we've had governments trying to figure out what to do about money. And every 30 years ago, they screw up and they change everything around and, and then they try again and it screws up 30 years later. And that's that's more or less it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's where we are. And the last one we had was really bad. You know, that was about 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And out of the ashes of that, someone says, all right, what if we don't have humans doing it? What if we have robots doing it? He's like, I built this thing. And here you go, guys. Yeah. And that was kind of it. It was like, rather than having some group of people saying we're going to raise or lower interest rates to, you know, increase or decrease the 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 currency uh, supply and all of that kind of stuff. We're just going to have all of our computers coded saying we're going to release five of them every 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And on one side, it sounded really attractive. It's like, oh man, I hate these humans. I just lost my house in this, in this housing collapse. Yeah, yeah. On the other side, you're like, wow, your robot really sucks. <laughs> you know, like, so you know, yeah. that's kind of the back and forth, you know? And, and so, you know, one of the biggest criticisms of, of Bitcoin, which was the first one that came along, uh, is that it's just so volatile, you could never use it as cash, you know? Yeah, because it would fluctuate so much in between every day, like, people would just hold on to it. Yeah. That's, when, I was, when I was doing it back in, I don't know, like, I think I bought some in, like, 2012, held on them for a couple of years, but it's just, like, this constant, giant fluctuation. It's like, you might as well just hold on to it, because you could literally have 10,000 more dollars tomorrow yeah and, so like and, why would you buy something today like that guy that bought the pizza for like twenty thousand bitcoin yeah it's yeah. like he would have been like a multi-billionaire or some nonsense it's like okay yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and that, that's that's the gist of it and so when you look at bitcoin and like and you've got some really smart people come in they're like all right well it's a store of value it's a medium of exchange it's a unit of account it's all these things you could describe money as yeah and you actually look at it and you're like it's a terrible store of value it's a terrible <laughs> medium of exchange it's a terrible unit of account like 
you know, let's try again, guys. And, and so right now we're starting to see a little bit of a, a comeback where everyone is saying, all right, the whole world's going to be decentralized. We're all going to be an anarchist paradise and everything's going to be awesome. Yeah. And we're starting to see a little bit movement like, okay, guys, the anarchy kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's it's actually not great for blog, you know, giant government managing. It's like, it's good for like two people. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a little bit of pushback now to start figuring out what would be the sensible ways to bring in some human control so that ultimately we can get some bored of people that are guessing what money's going to do tomorrow and setting the yeah. rate of Bitcoin or something like that. So I, I think that's kind of the dual end to it is the use cases we've already seen that started to work in, in very high degree are very simple things. I'll take a stock certificate and I'll, rather than having a piece of paper or have it registered with the transfer agent, put it on the blockchain as a token. Yeah. And it's like, that's on one side, it's already picking up. It's going real quickly. On the other side, it's like, that's not the big revolution we were promised. You're just yeah. making Wall Street more money. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. the exact opposite of what yeah. everyone was expecting. Yeah. And if you get into Bitcoin, it was designed by an engineer who really did some amazing stuff from an engineering standpoint, but had a very, you know, basic understanding of monetary policy. And, and so the question is how do just the fact that we have a shared record, is that what will solve the Fed's problems or can we start incorporating AI and all that? Or, or at the end of the day, is this all kind of BS on the money front? We should start focusing on other things. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where we are, where we came from. So we're, we're trying, yeah, so it's all circled back around. Like we're trying to find a way to incorporate the the revolution that, that Bitcoin created while still utilizing the human control that is the Fed. Yeah. And I mean, there's a very hardcore, uh, you know, it used to be libertarian in the early days, but you've gotten this really hardcore... Uh, sort of Marxist socialist side that has come and started playing ball yeah. too. And you get, and it's the same thing, you know, they hate centralized power. They hate authoritarians, you know, under a pure Marxist thought, not yeah, Soviet yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and there's a very strong case for why this could be used in sort of an egalitarian way. So you got them holding hands with, with libertarians fighting on all this and, you say the word Donald Trump, everything goes to shit. Yeah, yeah. But well, like most people try to avoid saying those two words together. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it is kind of fascinating where everyone's like, all right, how can we remove these, you know, sort of barriers that allow small groups of people to really advance themselves in society, you know, whether yeah. it's corporate or, or uh, governmental? Is there a way we can free this and make everything more fair? And um, yeah, and that's the big thing. Everyone is, is kind of fighting for a revolution and we're just waiting for the day that I don't know, someone steals a tank and puts it on Bitcoin and, and, and you know, there it goes or something. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, if somebody stole it, it's, it's actually a really funny example. If somebody stole a tank and put it on Bitcoin. What does that mean? Well, it's not even like, how, what would that mean? Like, how would that work? Like, yeah. it's like. I don't know. That's, that's. I'm just like, that's kind of cool. I want a tank. How am yeah. I going to get a tank? Oh, that, that, was, that was actually the original vision for Split. Um, yeah. What we did was. So you had Bitcoin, which was sort of the first wave, and then you had Ethereum come along, and that yeah. was the second wave. And uh, Ethereum was invented by a 19-year-old in Canada, um, uh, Vitalik Buterin, and he said, you know, we've got this whole system of, of keeping track of quantity that you can keep a record of yeah. that's trustable. Um, how can we expand this into all of the normal computer operations that any cell phone or computer currently does? You know, yeah. it's not just simple adding and subtracting on a, on a ledger. Uh, and so he invented a whole new programming language um, that would allow fully, you know, turn complete, which means you can do anything that you can do with any other computer um, on something that can run in a distributed system where you have each computer sending signals and you have thousands of uh, computers in the system. And that can actually take, you know, minutes or days for, for it to populate correctly. How do we combine those two things? And so that's what Ethereum is. 
as sort of a world computer, as, as they sometimes call it, um, to keep track of, <laughs> I own this, I have this much money, and I want to do this, um, and it's all programmed into it to do it. So it's like and a world bank? It's a world computer, and that's yeah. really what computers are. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, they compute. <laughs> yes. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so what we built on it, or at least our initial goal, uh, was we took these things called smart contracts. And a smart contract is basically... Uh, you write out a series of directions or, you know, for a non-lawyer, you could call it a contract saying, you know, if this happens, then I'll pay you that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's similar to coding, yeah. uh, similar to contracts, uh, and you can run these digital assets through it. Um, and so what we were trying to do with Split was use a smart contract uh, to run a timeshare service okay. uh, where you could timeshare anything. So let's say you want a Lamborghini, yeah. but you only got, you know, you can't afford a Lamborghini, but yeah. you got five grand in the bank. Yeah, you so you'd timeshare the Lamborghini with like 50 other people. Yeah, and yeah. so you could keep that record of who are all the owners, how much percentage, uh, and then you could even come up with a system for them to bid on time during the year. Yeah. Um, and then they now you can track the ownership and usage rights of that Lamborghini. Now, of course, there's all kinds of stuff still there. It's like, how do we get it so that we know that the person who has the rights now has the key, you know, and stuff like that. How do we get the car from here to the next guy? You know, those are the harder <clears throat> problems. But just for managing the ownership and usage rights, yeah, um, that was the goal of Split. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's a what a lot of people wouldn't think of as a financial application. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's because everybody thinks of uh, cryptocurrency. Oops, my camera. Everybody <laughs> thinks of uh, crypto and everything is just like it's money replacement. They don't think of all these other uses that it could possibly have. Right. Yeah. 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 I think you know that, that kind of demonstrates some of the functionality of of really how how flexible this is. Yeah. Is being able to do it in a DApp, where you know rather than running Twitter on your phone, everyone's running Twitter on their phones, and everyone's even running your account, but you're the only one that can change it. And now Twitter doesn't have the ability to go. Censor tweets or go and, yeah. you know, that um, uh, sell your data off uh, for, for marketable uh, yeah. revenue, that that type of stuff. Uh, and so that's some of the higher level, like, how are we trying to solve some of the, the big problems of today uh, using this new technology? That's kind of amazing. You put it like that, it makes it really, it really do. Like, I really want to buy into, like, this utopia. I'm like, how can we make Twitter not be complete assholes? Is that yeah. possible? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really cool. I like that. No. Yeah, and you see Mark Zuckerberg go in front of Congress, and everyone's yelling, "Dude, Ethereum!" Like yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. the screens. But. I, I would like to to address whenever you introduce new technology, like there's the idealistic viewpoint of it, and then there's also like how people game it to to just totally be, fuck up everything. Be the worst ones of the next generation. Yeah, so it's like what this technology is going to bring also brings a bunch of other consequences. Oh. So. You have like the dark web and people using Bitcoin to buy illegal things. Some some which can be argued are illegal unjustly, and then some that most people would agree are not great. Uh, do you do you see any way to address those issues while still maintaining the ideal idealistic views of what you see the technology. Basically, he's asking you the same question the Saudis asked you. Or yeah, yeah. It, it's, well, and for starters, the way to do it is, you know, get a crystal ball, you know, and know exactly what the problems are. You know, a running joke we have is like, hey, oh shit, we just built Skynet. You know, and yeah. like, great, we, we got rid of the Fed and now we have robot overlords, you know, yeah, that, yeah, that are, you know. Yeah. But I mean, even if you take it a couple steps back, uh, you know, you 
you, you think of uh, democracy in the 1700s was this way to decentralize the power that was held in a king or a, a monarchy. Yeah. And here we are 200 years later being like, oh man, that government's too centralized. And, yeah. you know, you give 200 years to people who want to exploit it and, and uh, you know, figure out how to, how to bend the rules and things change in ways that you probably couldn't have predicted in 1776. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, same thing's kind of going on here. But to address some of these social ills that you're talking about, I'm of the mindset that if criminals are using it, it means it works because they are the most private. They're the most self-conscious. They're the ones that know that have the most on the line. And if they're willing to risk their entire literal freedom, life, using this in order to accomplish whatever their illicit goal is, it means it works. Like you know, <laughs> and, and for better or worse. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that, that's that's what's kind of interesting. Everyone says, "Well, drug dealers use Bitcoin." I'm like, "Well, then why don't you?" yeah like exactly they they know what they're doing like they're making more money than you (laughs) they're probably making more of an impact on the world positive or negative than you like there's something going on here if if you've got really sketchy things popping up with it first um so yeah it you know the questions of like how do you stop uh a, a legal you know child pornography for example that's one that comes all the time we're taking the, the viewpoint of, hey, we're building finance. Like, we're not going to solve the world's problems here. There's always yeah. going to be some sketchy things going on. But if you're seeing it happen, that means it's working. You know, and it's really sort of a, a positive test you, case. For you it. don't think there's any ethical pressure for the technology industries to try to take those things into account? Oh, there is. And we do. And it's something we think through. And, and you know, there's projects that I work on where... There, they would be arguably things that other people would consider are illicit, illicit use cases. And we're looking at it and we're like, all right, well, what what makes it illicit? You know, why are the reasons you don't like it? Can we solve some of those, even if we're promoting the general practice itself type of thing? Uh, you know, so you've got some more wiggle room on that side. Uh, and then on the other side of it, it's sort of at what point, where does the buck stop? You know, I mean, ultimately, all of this wouldn't be possible if Vinsurf hadn't invented TCP IP. So, you know, did, did he have an ethical question that hey we got this tcp ip layer you know no one has their names attached to their ip addresses and this is the big conversation in the early 90s yeah. um did we just unleash the beast on you know just freeing up the ability to share child pornography and monetize it and the, the answer is yes and they knew it it was coming way back then but should we not have done the internet yeah. you know and so that's kind of that's kind of the thought on it is that it comes down it's like a human problem it's like yeah. humans have to solve their own like problems with themselves and wanting these things and you know you know they have to police themselves because you can't it's like the technology allows you to do so many great things but it also allows you to do some bad things we can't basically stunt the technology because there's also a potential for bad things exactly exactly and and it turns out a lot of the criminals have the same problems as what we'd call legitimate people yeah and so if we solve those problems of course more criminal people will do it And, and going back to what i said i think that They'll be the first ones to realize it too. I, I have one question about the the technology with criminals using it. Th- this is just something that I don't understand about the security of, of Bitcoin. So there's a record, uh, like this is why people like it, is that there's a constant record. But why do criminals like to use this if there's the constant record. a constant record? You know, that's, that's funny. So uh, speaking to laymen, I just talk about criminals using Bitcoin. No criminals use Bitcoin anymore. <laughs> they use Monero yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it doesn't have the tracking, uh, mm. public tracking. Um, it's a total privacy-oriented anonymous token that it's, you know, talking to some of the higher-ups at the DEA and at the uh, um, 
FBI and that type, they, they're like, I hope all the criminals use Bitcoin. We've got that covered. Like, we're yeah. done with that. Like, yeah, we figured that out a couple got it years out. ago. Yeah. We'll let a little happen on Silk Road. <laughs> Anyone gets over this size, we bust them. We've got, we've got their number on speed dial. I just hope no one discovers Monero. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that, yeah. that's the real the real hardcore ones. And and now all the drug exchanges do have both Bitcoin and Monero and they're, they're catering the more tech savvy drug dealers that are using Monero and the less tech savvy are still using Bitcoin. If, if any criminals are listening, um, Bitcoin is what you want to use. Do not, do not use uh, Monero. If any criminals are listening, use, what is it, Monero? <laughs> yeah. We I, need to I, get this shit going. Well, I'm also, okay. I, I, full disclosure, I hold a lot of Monero, so please use it. <laughs> <laughs> use it for things. I was just trying to cover myself ethically. Yeah. Yeah. There you uh, go. But yeah, uh, so, I, you know, and, and that's that's what's interesting was, was Bitcoin was Silk Road, and they busted him through the least technological way possible. Yeah. They hunted down some old message board posts he made and then hunted them down through the, the mail service. You know, oh. that, that was ultimately how, how they got them. And, uh, and, but nowadays, they, the, the Bitcoin, if you combine it with the fact that any exchange in the U.S. has uh, KYC AML, you have to put on your name whenever you, you transfer from fiat to uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fiat's normal money, uh, dollars. Yeah. Uh, not this magical, not, not the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, you kind of see the, the these extensions of it where everyone's still talking about Bitcoin in the in the in the mainline. I'm even wearing Bitcoin socks at the moment, but uh, but in reality, like there's some much more advanced stuff to get away yeah. with things, and Bitcoin's no longer contributing. It's not really contributing to anything, but it's not contributing to criminals anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's gotten outpaced. Sorry, uh, Jameson Lopson Mensa too. I should probably apologize to yeah. him because he's a very hardcore pro Bitcoin guy and very respectable and will probably disagree with most of the stuff I just said. So that's cool. I mean, like we were talking earlier, uh, totally just keeping this inside the Mensa thing. I knew, I knew one person in Mensa named Jameson. I'm surprised <laughs> there are two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jameson runs the Bitcoin SIG. He's one of the most prominent, uh, what they call Bitcoin maximalists. Um, oh, that sounds so cool. Like uh, he's a Roman hard. gladiator or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's exactly like a Roman gladiator, but mostly happens on Twitter and everyone <laughs> blocks each other. And like, <laughs> so it's like everyone else on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, that's cool. Well, that's, that's good to know that like, uh, like it's funny cause people still don't understand Bitcoin and Bitcoin is essentially already been left in the dust five times yeah. by like a bunch of other things. <laughs> that's, that's just great. I love yeah. it. it. What's fascinating is whenever one of the new ones comes up, it gets a bunch of value and yet Bitcoin goes up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone buys Bitcoin and X, whatever the new one is. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to say because like I still watch Bitcoin and it, it did lose a lot of value over the last year. But I think recently somebody just bought like 12,000 of them. So it went up like another like grand and a half. So it's like people still use it and think there's a future in it and still want it to succeed or it would have went to zero. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of cool. And I think at this point, the fact that there's an industry, there's people who have yeah, like me that have a career, you know, that's banking on it. Yeah. They're going to fight to make sure it doesn't die all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and yeah, we all, you know, bought Lambos during the 2017 when it spiked. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and and then you know, and, and then a lot of people lost a lot of money and all that. But at the end of the day, everyone who's who's gone into it and is starting companies and really putting effort into it, there's just too many of them. It it won't die, you know, fully at this yeah, point just because yeah. it's kind of so entrenched. Does it have a future beyond just being like the first one to do it? And so, because you said people keep people keep buying Bitcoin every time a new crypto comes out that has like the potential, right? So they're buying into like the brand name of Bitcoin as, as itself, but it itself really doesn't 
have a future? Is that what you're saying? That would be my my hypothesis. Yeah. Um, that would be my belief. Um, and one of the other things about Bitcoin is it has this very hardcore culture to it. This isn't in the actual code, yeah. but the people who, in a decentralized fashion, all, all of the stakeholders in Bitcoin who who uh, collectively make this call, it's no, yeah. no individual, yeah, yeah. tend to have this feeling that we shouldn't change much about the core protocol. Yeah. That we released it, it's worked, no one's hacked it in 10 years, which is an amazing feat if you yeah, really think about it. Yeah. Um, and therefore, let's not change it, you know? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, kind of thing. Yeah, and, but every uh, other every other new crypto that comes out does try to change it. Is more secure, exactly. Is better in a lot of tangible ways. And that that's kind of the question: is can you is that old style mentality correct? You know, maybe we shouldn't have constant upgrades and versioning on software. For example, anyone who has a phone or you know has used Facebook and they constantly change things around on you, and yeah. you don't have a choice. Yeah. You know, maybe the better option was Facebook was perfect in 2011, and it's gotten worse since then, and you know that type of thing. Uh, or Windows, etc. So, you know, that's their argument. And, and then I'm looking at it, I'm like, but Bitcoin doesn't do anything and nobody's using it after 10 years. Great, yeah. you haven't been hacked. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, but um, but maybe it's not actually meeting the needs of, of what it was built or designed to, to do. Uh, yeah, it was the launch pad and that's kind of what it is now still. It just, it was, it was the launch pad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and th there's all these ways they're, they're trying to make that work too. Is they, they'll, they do something called layer two um, for scaling. So Bitcoin right now can process, I think, two transactions per second, which is Visa goes to about 50,000 a second. Yeah. You know, and so if you want to be a real currency, Visa is also only a small segment of the world. If you want to yeah. be the world currency. That's way too slow. And so they say, all right, well, never mind on the blockchain thing. We'll, we'll create this complicated system of ways to uh, trust centralized players yeah. um, all acting on their own. And it's like, wait a second. So it's completely just... circumventing like its original purpose. Right. Yeah. yeah. But don't change the protocol, you know? <laughs> and uh, so it, it's sort of one of those like, well, you're relying on the old methods to fix the new one rather than using the new one to fix the old problems. Uh, we'll see. And, you know, a lot of people disagree with me, and especially the Bitcoin community. But, uh, but yeah, and that's kind of the, the Yeah, well, I don't know them, and I know you, so yeah. you're right. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what I keep telling my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, earlier, you, you were talking about a stock certificate and, like, using that in, in the blockchain. Um, this is just another, like, misconception that a lot of people have is that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is a lot like stocks and that, like, the more you buy, the higher it goes up, the more you sell, the more it goes down. That does kind of happen. Can you explain just, like, the differences there, how it's not a stock? Well, I should say it this way. Like, a token is just a, re a symbol, right? It's yeah. just a representation of something else. So it could be a stock. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's some of the movement that is happening. Yeah, yeah. But Bitcoin itself is not a stock. There's no... You don't have any stock shareholder rights. Uh, there's no board of directors. There's no necessarily even product being delivered. There's yeah, no yeah. source of income. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's not a company. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not a company. And, yeah. and you know, a lot of this actually is legal in nature. Is the, the yeah. fact that corporations are a legal fiction. Like, that's what a corporation is at the end of the day. It's a series yeah. of contracts based around the way we made law. Yeah. It has nothing to do with. I, I don't want to say it has nothing to do, but that structure is enforced at, at the legal layer. Um, Bitcoin's enforced at the blockchain layer, you know, mm. and it's just fundamentally different. Yeah, and yeah. so you could spin up a token that represents the rights in those contracts. And if the courts come around and recognize those as, as, as compelling as the correct way to run a business, you could totally issue stock on the blockchain. Yeah, yeah. But what we're also seeing, or at least we saw a couple of years ago, we're seeing less of it now, is that you have fully centralized companies that do everything correctly on the legal front 
that then raise money by selling these magical tokens. Yeah, they literally yeah. do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's some big name companies, Kodak. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you know, a uh, uh, Kick and and uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, what I last heard uh, is doing the same thing, and. They're just literally printing money and selling it to these people who don't get crypto. And they're like, yeah. oh, well, now I own Kickstock. It's like, you don't own Kickstock. <laughs> you you bought some units on some smart contract that they made, and it yeah. does nothing. <laughs> yeah, and you own nothing. Yeah, you own nothing. <laughs> and it and for some It's worth reason, whatever they tell you, and then maybe if you try to sell it, it'll be worth that much. Yeah. yeah. To, to yeah. be fair, that's what the government does. With yeah. yeah sure. That's so. kind of what I was thinking, too. I'm like, wait, isn't that just... In what the Fed does? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Actually, um, can we address that real quick? Yeah. yeah. Can actually, explain. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not super informed on on how currency works, but I have a, a memes idea. inform me. They print money, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, will you explain uh, to the best of your knowledge how the Federal Reserve works? How the Federal Reserve. <laughs> oh, Reserve good luck. Works. Yeah, this is a fun one. So, I mean, my, my understanding in 2009 was that you got seven people who were not directly answerable to the government that got together and just whimsically decided what to do with all of our houses. One um, one of which may soon be Herman Cain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in, in reality, first of all, it is answerable to the government, as we're saying right there. Um, but on top of it, uh, the, the Fed essentially works by... Um, changing interest rates. And the whole belief is that if you make a higher interest rate, that causes uh, value creation because someone loans it at 3%, they get a, a dollar and three cents back, value needed to be created to support that extra three cents. And so ra rather than thinking of it as, as money being created, you're incentivizing new value to be formed, you know, out of small businesses that are taking loans and, and that type of stuff. And so that's kind of how the Fed works is, is if the economy is slowing, then, then they uh, um, uh, decrease the interest rates. Um, that isn't so much worried about the, the concentration of capital, but at least it's getting people back into straight investment. But if the interest rate goes up, then, then they got to slow down um, deflation. So then they increase the interest rate. Sorry, I realized how technical this has already gotten. No, it's I yeah. get it. It's basically like, well, do this. Oh, yeah. that's not working. Do this. Well, and, okay. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, they, they've got a very, very educated group of people that are coming yeah. together. Um, and it is, while the heads, uh, several heads of it are nominated by the government, several heads of it are not. Um, yeah. They're actually the heads of private banks um, that are coming together. And they're all kind of cooperating and saying, all right, well, everyone uses money. How do we make sure that their lives go on and they can still yeah. use money? And sometimes they get it wrong, um, but you know, more and more I've gotten into it, I'm realizing uh, there's one benefit to how it all works is that they really are the top of the game at this. You know, these are the PhDs in econ that really know what they're talking about, that have tested this for a long time, um, and are are dictating things. On the other side, every time there's a crisis, you get this political force on it that changes the rules on them, yeah, not yeah. necessarily as well informed, and then it just has all of these repercussions that we don't foresee, you know, five or ten years later type of thing. Uh, and that's maybe the problem of having it intertwined with government is that ultimately it's an answerable to the political system. So that, that's that's kind of it. Are, are they better guesses than Satoshi Nakamoto? Probably, quite frankly. Uh, you know, they're much better at guessing that type of stuff. Um, but is there a chance that maybe we can unlock it so that instead of just seven professors, any professor with a certain degree of credibility can weigh in and have influence? Maybe. I don't know if that would yeah. even work, but uh, we'll find out. You know, and that's that's some of the projects that are going on as well. So, yeah, end of the day, Bitcoin, they now are trying to be the digital gold where it's all going to be released at a certain rate, you yeah. know, and let prices fluctuate, kind of like yeah. how gold is. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, you just turn over and you're like, you know, there's a reason the world left gold. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't that great in the 1880s and the 1910s and the 1930s. You know, they, there was a lot of real bad breaks that happened because we were trying to tie it to something that's fungible. Whereas now if we have this flexibility that can adjust, it can create much longer periods of stability. Yeah. And then and then they go to Bitcoin. They're like, oh, it's so volatile. It's like, well, gold was volatile, you know, once upon a yeah, time. Yeah. And, uh. Well, that's the biggest problem people have with the Fed is that, like, it's it's so hard to understand that, well, first of all, money is nothing but a concept to begin with. Yeah. And then we, we tied it to this physical thing in gold. People like that. They like being able to think, like, my money is tied to this thing I can touch. Yeah. And now it's like, it hasn't been like that in almost 100 years. And they don't get that it's like, that's really all it is, just a concept that allows us to trade things. Yeah. And that's that's really all it is. And people don't like that because they're like, well, who determines how much of my paper I can trade for that speaker. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they just don't like that idea in their head. It's like hard to wrap around. And that's the problem they have with cryptocurrency. Cause it's even more removed from what they feel is real. And it's almost ironic that the cryptocurrency is trying to be gold. Yeah. <laughs> <On top of laughs> it's actually super ironic. Actually. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, we don't trust gold. All right. We'll have people doing it. We don't trust people. We'll have computers doing it. Wait, wait, I trust those people. Oh, no, we're really trying to be gold with computers. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe, that, that, maybe that's why it's trying to loop around to be gold, because then it gives people an idea of, like, it's tangible. Yeah. Because that's that's the biggest issue, is that it's not tangible. But then you look at government-issued fiat currency, it's not intangible either. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just, uh, and, uh, you know, they're. To... We live in a simulation, okay? <laughs> like, that's all it is. To, yeah, you know, there's this theory of monet uh, modern monetary theory, which has been going on for about 15 years, uh, primarily coming out of Australia, some of the, some of the top uh, uh, universities down there. And basically what it says is that the government doesn't need to tax if it's issuing the cur currency because they can just print up new more more money. Yeah. And so long as they're not witnessing really bad degrees of inflation or deflation, um, they can just print as much money as they wanted to pay as many of their bills as, as they need to. Yeah. And so it kind of turns the that whole... That sounds crazy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and what it is that on one side you have whatever the entity that is creating the money creates it, and then the tax serves as a way that you can decrease the money supply to, to maintain the stability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all it is. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want more welfare or you want more guns, uh, it doesn't matter. They just print it um, as long as they're taxing at a rate that can then burn enough currency and, and maintain the, the supply and demand. Yeah, so taxes are essentially them trying to correct problems they create for themselves. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More or less. I and, love it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so, I mean, it's so funny then... then this theory is new. It's considered somewhat radical, and so a lot of people don't believe it. But when you actually look at how everything is going, it seems to fit directly. No, I mean into it makes that. total sense to me. It's like that's really what they're doing. They're just trying to fix their own problem by raising or lowering taxes, so then they can collect more of the money that they accidentally issued. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it keeps it all in balance, and, and so it doesn't matter whether you know they they could in theory be be borrowing all up to the level until the point that servicing the loans yeah. uh, would cause inflation. You know that's yeah. that's where the bar is is at that point, but. And everyone's like twenty trillion dollars worth of debt. That doesn't matter as long as they're not paying very much every month. They can just spin that out for infinity. That's uh, and that's something too that it would take. I feel like it would take like a long time and go off on a tangent. But to explain the debt economy to people, yeah, like that's something else. But like that's the thing. It's like we're like what twenty trillion dollars in debt to who? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and what is that? Do do we have to pay it back? Yeah. Oh, well, not so. really, not actually. Really. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like, actually, the more debt yeah. we have, the more our money's worth. Weird that works that way. Uh, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, that's that's exactly Because it. that means people trust us to pay back the loan, even though we never have to pay back the loan. So then we get more in debt than our money's worth more. 
Yeah, and then, and then <laughs> when we pay them back, they're like, hey, uh, you owe me money. It's like, well, hold on, let me run my Epson real quick. Hey, yeah. here, here's some dollars, you yeah. know, and... Uh, so it's fascinating to think of it that way. And you've got people who disagree even in the government. And then you get people like uh, AOC who come along and say, whoa, this is an interesting theory. All right, let's just start spending all the money. You yeah, know? Exactly. And it's like, Let's well, spend that's... all the money on all the things because we can. Yeah, because <laughs> if MMT is true, that means we have severely underborrowed. Yeah. And so let's just start, you know, let's give everyone money. Uh, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, and then you get the other side of it. It's like, well, if you give everyone money, is that going to be its own problem? <laughs> Yes, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, it turns out it's <laughs> yeah. probably, some, probably going to be a problem. I'm all for it. Just deflate the currency so it's worth nothing, and then yeah. we can just start a new thing. And yeah, hey. you're full of the Mad Max. Just restart everything. Well, dude, I got the football pads with spikes on them already. Like I'm just, I'm waiting. Like that's all uh, I want. I, I got my leash. I'm waiting for someone to, to yeah. get on the other end of it. Dude, right. seriously, yeah. I just, I want to be that guy from Mad Max and like the Jason mask is like, come out to play. Like it's like, I want to be that guy so bad. Like <laughs> part, oh. part of the ideal of. Bitcoin, though, is that the people with power currently who have all the money have control and influence over the policy of how the money is spent to keep the power, yeah, their power. And Bitcoin is like, fuck you, we made our own money. So if you did have a collapse of like, let's say the U.S., not not that this would be good for yeah <laughs> it'd actually be really bad for us but yeah. in theory yeah, really yeah. in theory but, yeah it'd be but, great for me i'd be holding the bitcoin like, <laughs> <laughs> overlord if, if if the actual amount of like what a dollar is worth to people yeah. changed like let's say what's happening in venezuela uh, where, where the money's just not worth anything anymore yeah. if that happened with the u.s dollar like all the people with all the money where's their power now well i I mean, at a very core level, it's do they own a mine? They, you know, a mine or a farm or something like that. You know, yeah. something where real resources, they'll always have value. You know, those people, yeah. unless you have a full on, you know, Cuban revolution where they just say, oh, you don't own that factory anymore. Yeah. You know, and that type yeah. of thing. Um, you have a very, you know, if you have an open access system taking over the old system, people in the old system, a lot of them anyways, will probably hold the power in the new system. Yeah. Um, which is something I think... Well, that's this is exactly what happened in like the French Revolution, right? They killed a bunch of them, but then still, a lot of people with the old power still had power, and oh, then we're back to square one. Uh, American Revolution. Yeah. yeah. Same, well, yeah, same deal. Yeah, yeah all, all the way up and down. I, even Cuban Revolution. So yeah, and that, that's kind of part of it, is that I think there's sort of an us and them mentality. Is like, oh, those people have power, and they are in no way actually connected to me. And then you actually go out, and you're like, wait a sec, they just... You know, they were running a better liquor store than I was, and, <laughs> and now they started a 7-Eleven type of thing, and now they their son's a congressman. You yeah. know, and, and that's that's how the, the world actually works. Um, so, and then on top of it, you know, in Bitcoin even, you see it is that we've found out now that Elon Musk and, and uh, um, Jack from Twitter and the government of North Korea all got into Bitcoin really early. And, yeah. <laughs> and so now they're some of the biggest whales in the crypto space. And these are the exact people that everyone was kind of like, hey, these are the rich asshole government corporate people. You know, yeah, yeah. we were supposed to be sticking it to them. They, they just said, oh, well, I went in and bought some Bitcoin and, and there yeah. they are. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's again, that's a, it's just like what you said. Like the people with power before just have power now because money is power and this yeah. is new money and there we are. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I think... The ideas of, you know, it'll shake things up and maybe you can come up with ways structurally where that instead of just having one government agency running um, housing development, maybe you have four or five different systems that kind of compete with each other, you know, and instead of having three companies that are running, uh, you know, U.S. banking, maybe it's six, you know, and, and maybe we can figure out how to instill that at a structural level to, to just sort of create more competition and spread it out a little more than it currently is. 
that to me is the ideal dream. Um, not that everyone's going to be, you know, one single class of people and everyone owns all the banks and everyone's their own bank kind of thing necessarily. Um, but yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, I want to get back into what we were talking about initially when you were talking about the, uh, the, the crypto you're developing for the sex workers and like helping them like break away from the, the pimps and like all the negative aspects of their job, like go. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this is a kind of a big one. So Sex work is, a, you know, what they say is the oldest profession in the world. Uh, yeah. For better or worse, it's both one of the most uh, stigmatized as well as one that's clearly not going anywhere. People aren't yeah. going to stop paying for sexually related things. Yeah. And unfortunately, though, because there's all of these laws against it, one of the first things that drop off when something is, is illegitimized is that the banking falls off. Uh, if you hold your money in a Chase account and they find out you're making a cam show uh, out of your living room type of thing, um, they will freeze your funds for up to six months, sometimes longer if they have some sort of extra investigation going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for a lot of these women, that can put them literally out of work overnight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and bankrupt. You know, they can't even afford rent, can't afford to feed their kids, can't afford hey, whatever. And so now they need to depend on someone to give them stability. Um, and so that, that dependence comes, you know, you have these individuals that then provide this dependence. Uh, and they also provide other things that they usually can't provide themselves, uh, security, physical security. Yeah. Uh, they can't call the police, so now they need to call someone to go get the money that somebody owes them. Uh, you know, and, and you get these very skewed power dynamics in these relationships. There's going to be sex workers, and if you accept that, then you can realize that if, if the government's not going to protect them, somebody will. Um, and if the banks aren't going to bank them, somebody will. And if... Uh, and so on and so forth. And that's what causes a lot of the negative things that are associated with sex working. The trafficking, uh, the, the, the children workers, um, even immigration. You know, there's a large, large argument for that, that it helps drive uh, immigration. And the cartels have actually figured out how to um, be the security providers in these situations. And it's just one more giant revenue stream for them that every time we make it harder on sex workers, it just ultimately pads their bottom line because they fill in for what the government and the banks weren't doing before. Uh, so one of the companies I work with is called uh, Spank Chain. And, Sounds great. Uh, yeah, Spank Chain. Very good branding. Spank Chain started off as a, um, a, a one of the providers where you can go on as a cam girl yeah. and do your shows and you can have people watching it and they can tip you in cryptocurrencies. What, what they then realized they needed to do next was they, they couldn't have everyone trading in Ether because it was too volatile. It was the same problem we were talking about with the money. Uh, so they figured out a, a kind of convoluted way to peg uh, their secondary token, which they call the booty coin. Um, I love these names. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're so good. You can peg your booty to the dollar. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, yeah. And, marketing, man. And so what's good. What's fascinating, though, is, is we've seen a whole movement of sex workers that don't even use the cam website because nobody goes to it. There aren't any guys at home going to Spank Chain Live, yeah. uh, you know, to, to uh, have fun. Um, but you still have sex workers that are moving all their money into booty anyways, because now they don't have to worry about it getting shut down the next day. And they can, you know, it's, it's easy enough for them to use, uh, their industry is already starting to move around it. Um, so they can start paying each other and and paying for certain services, uh, to help their own need. And it takes that entire pressure off of what traditionally was a, uh, service that pimps and, and, uh, uh, drug cartels and gangs and the like would provide. Um, which I think is fucking cool. I, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. is the fact that we've got computers doing what traditionally people that we didn't want to do something were doing. So, Joel's so got who, a good face. Who is, 
controls the currency exchange of booty coin into the dollar then it's algorithmically set and like i said it's not perfect and I, i've talked to him a lot about reasons why it could you know the the black swan cases where, where it might not work out um but so far it's been working fine and it's and in the sex workers case, it's working more uh, consistently than, than uh, PayPal can. But it, PayPal will shut down your account. Uh, you know, it, the, the company, this company is actually ex doing the exchange, though. No, it's all going through uh, smart contracts. Um, so it mints and deletes booties based on uh, fluctuation against the dollar. And it can feed information for that. Um, and then as users use the service, um, it can mint or burn them in a, in a way to make sure that there's always enough dollars somewhere. Uh, okay. I was just wondering like what, what is preventing Wells Fargo or whatever from shutting down from Spank being, Chain from, from being like, Oh, you're using, Oh, they already shut down Spank Chain. They, they bank everything now in digital currency. And so like, and that was part of the problem is, you know, they raised a few million dollars and then, but they had to hold it in ether or Bitcoin and the market tanked. And so now they have half as much as yeah. they had before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, they're really on the cutting edge because they have the business need driving them to be using these technologies. Because uh, everything that can happen to the sex workers can also happen to Spank Chain, by the way, mm -hmm. as the company. Um, so they're the ones that are really testing and advancing that. Um, so yeah, for the booty Spank pair, um, there's a whole system inside of it so that whenever someone brings a dollar worth of value to the system, they're issued one of the booties that's pegged to a dollar. <laughs> It's kind of out there. I love it. And and what's what's cool about them is while they tried to become the uh, video service, they've now actually had a lot of hits from the other uh, sex work platforms, uh, the Pornhubs and the uh, Brazers and, and those types coming out saying, hey, you know what? We're sick of Visa. We're sick of putting up with this. How do yeah. we just upload your payment system? We don't care about everything else you've done, but we need this payment system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're starting to see it catch on that way. That's and that's, good. that's really cool. No, that's that's the way it has to be. It has to be people who absolutely need this thing to work, who will yeah. make it work. Yeah. yeah. And they, they say porn advances technology. I think this is one of the... the very... <laughs> this is like literally that happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And on the street level. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so when you're talking about the coolest things I've ever done, I, the other side note of, of hanging out with that crowd is like, we go over to the spank. It's called the spank house. Yeah. <laughs> and like... Does it smell really good? Oh, it's... They have like dildo soap <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's this little spot on the beach in, in marina del rey yeah and you go in and the house is set up so it's half a programmer's paradise and half a gamer's paradise yeah. you got all these nerds in there gaming and programming that's all they do they do that just 24 7 and then you just got like janice griffith and brenna sparks and and caden cross just running around the house too yeah and yeah. it's just like man this is pretty cool yeah. <laughs> like, it's like this is the future i wanted yeah like, this is the future i wanted when i was 12 years old and here it is <laughs> yeah here it is like, this place exists in the yeah, world this place exists now and i'm a part of it yeah like, <laughs> and here i am telling them that i want to be their lawyer yeah. <laughs> i love it man i love it I, what, before we leave the topic of, of sex trade, like you did briefly mention uh, one of the, the problems with um, sex work being underground and not having uh, like police to turn to. This is one of the things that that actually allows things like child pornography and things and uh, sex trafficking to happen. Um I just wanted to distinguish because we've had this conversation before. You're not you're not working with like people that are endorsing like sex trafficking forced. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, that it's that who you're working with are women that are are 
basically trying to run their own business as themselves as a brand their own finances and, and empowering and enabling, them yeah you know there's a potential that a large portion of the women that are in uh you know what you could call undesirable circumstances that you know a small segment of them this alone will help them climb out of that hole yeah. um you know, and, and I maybe I didn't elaborate enough. You know, where the traffickers or the pimps come into play is that they have a stable of workers that they form relationships with. And if one of them gets cut off of the financial system, they come in and they give loans and they make sure that they make the rent and they make sure that they get fed. Um, but now they owe now now they're owed a a, a favor. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and that can turn into all kinds and of it's, things. It's usually indentured servitude. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And and so that's kind of it. Is that one specific function of of pimps acting as a bank or as a lender of last resort, you know, we're taking over that function. So that's kind of how it's minimizing the, the trafficking and that type of stuff. At least it's taking out one of the economic forces for why it exists. That's really good. We talked about this briefly when uh, when I first asked you to do this. You're like, I'm not just the Bitcoin guy. I'm like, I know you're not just the Bitcoin guy, but look at your shirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also the, the other coin and guys. the Ethereum guy and the Ripple guy. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, like, what... Um, what other ventures or even like interests like would you like to talk about with the last few minutes of uh, the podcast here? Like, Oh, God. Um, yeah. I mean, when I'm not brewing crypto, I'm brewing beer. Um, that's been one where I started the beer club at the law school. Uh, oh, that's cool. called uh, Barley Legal. And uh, leave it to the law Joel, students. Joel, we need a... <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we, I'll, I'll get on the drum kit yeah, after. We'll thank you. Thank you. Yeah, but... Um, but yeah, I, I've been brewing for the last seven years, um, and I like to drink, which is really hard this month, because we, we talked about this oh, before yeah. the show, but <laughs> right now I'm in no alcohol April, and... It's a big movement, everybody. It's yeah, a it's really, a big really movement. big movement. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something that's definitely not just something that I made up to get my girlfriend to stop drinking for I, a little bit. I like... would like... <laughs> I would like to say, since you got in on Bitcoin early and I didn't, I'm just going to jump on this train because you seem yeah. to know what you're doing. Yeah. You'll be so. buying Lambos as of May. Yeah, yeah. Like, it'll be so good. Like, just don't drink through April. Yeah, I'll have like, a... Lambo, <laughs> Lambo, Lambo, Lambo. Oh, I, you know, I always hear these people like, you know, I took some time off and like, I'm cool now. And, you know, maybe I won't drink anymore. I'm like, dude, this has been the longest month ever. It's not that I've had trouble not drinking. Yeah. It's just now we just go home and watch Friends. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like we go out and like, uh. drinking at the bar and like it's to 10 p.m. and we're tired, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like we go, we go hiking, you know, we work out and we're like, God, but this would be so much better if we had a couple of Coronas, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I've been brewing for a long time. Um, I'm involved with um, one of the breweries in Orange County. Okay, cool. Uh, so everyone down in Santa Ana, you should go check out uh, Network Brewery. Uh, it's over on Red Hill. And uh, it's a very fun one. This podcast also sponsored by uh, Network <laughs> Brewery in Santa yeah. Ana. <laughs> Shameless plug there. It's, yeah. Try try the uh, uh, Santiago Creek uh, uh, Red Velvet beer. Super good. It's a chai tea. Chai tea too. beer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly how the dude makes it, but yeah. I, I, that's that's why I got involved with that one. It was that beer. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's definitely like a very interesting little combo. Like I don't even like beer, and I'm like, oh, I might try that because that's weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 It tastes like a red velvet cake. It's it's delicious. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Jason, where can people find you on the web if they wanted to contact you about <laughs> uh, random things or anything else you'd like to plug? Oh, um, yeah. For starters, you can find me on Twitter. Um, it's at Jason the healer. 
Okay. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just uh, hopefully Ben spells my name right when he posts this up. Really or, try. It'll probably be Joel, actually. It's actually going to be Joel. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, yeah. actually uh, going to be Joel. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm on all, most of the platforms. I, I didn't do the Instagram or the Snapchat or, or any of the, the kids' ones, but uh, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. Facebook, um, everything else. I Google. You just Google my name. There, there's, you'll find something. Um, yeah, there's... I think that's about it. Definitely follow me on Twitter if you're interested in all this crypto or legal stuff. Um, otherwise, and that's uh, you said Jason the Healer. Yeah, like underscores or nope. no, just all one, one word. word. Yep. Uh, to close, I'd really like to ask uh, ask you, Jason. So uh, we all joined Mensa for different reasons. We all stay in this fantastic house of mirrors for different reasons. Um, why are you here? Why did you join? How do you feel about Mensa in general? Well, you know from Pretty early on, uh, I think, you know, for a lot of people in Mensa, it's kind of a familial thing. They've got parents who are in it. They were very hardcore into it. Kids come into it. And they, there's kind of a whole clique within Mensa of people that are that are on those terms. Uh, I was from one of those families where neither of the parents got in and had always kind of wanted to. And so from a very early age, it's sort of, sort of we do uh, some of the, the practice tests that you find in emails or whatever for men so we do those at the breakfast table when i was like three and like and we're kind of gearing up and it was something that that the folks always wanted and somewhere i was like all right screw it let's take the test and i guess that's why i took it was just sort of i didn't know why not to um then when i got there and it was just a bunch of uh dysfunctional very smart people <laughs> um, that uh you know are doing all kinds of things you get everything from attorneys and engineers and, and scientists and doctors all the way down to uh well, well ben yeah. and uh <laughs> and the whole and the whole gamut in between but <laughs> my but, life uh, is a joke <laughs> <laughs> no just kidding it's, no you're not yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh yeah, and so I think hanging out, it everything I do in life right now is I'm either hanging out with attorneys and they're all talking about law and lawyers and their last case and, you know, what the argument and the trouble they had with some judge. And, and then uh, and then you get to the cryptocurrency side and everyone's talking about the latest thing that they're installing or thing they're working on and it's all focused, you know, it's hyper-focused on, on this crypto. And they're all very smart people, uh, but then you say, hey, so, you know, what do you do in your free time? And maybe a couple have interests, but they don't really want to tell you your, your work associate and uh it's just really nice to have a group of people that there isn't really any expectations you, you don't have to go to the meetings you can um you don't have to even necessarily pay dues apparently um you can um, <laughs> you should <laughs> you should <laughs> um and, and it's just a lot of people doing things that are just so far outside of what i'm actually involved with on my day-to-day um, it's nice to just have that feed in. So I'm not just, you know, one or two dimensional kind of person. Uh, so I think that's a big part of it. Um, and to vindicate Ben a little bit, I think a big part is also the meme culture is top notch in Mensa. Really, really there, there's good. There, we, really good. I mean, all of the best memes you're just now saying we had a month and a half ago. Like, <laughs> God, seriously. yeah, the edgiest people, but, um, yeah. And also, you know, in my profession, I travel a lot. And so I can go to New Orleans and just post in one of the boards and say, hey, who in New Orleans wants to get together or has a couch? Or, you know, who in Las Vegas and, uh, you know, who in New York? I made some of my closest friends just from doing that and then going and knowing that not only do I have someone that I know in town wherever I'm going, but there's someone who's smart and interested in nerdy stuff and, you know, would, would take me to or potentially take me to the kinds of things that I might like as well without even knowing that I like them beforehand. 
Uh, so I think that's a big value add to the whole um, society. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of what got me in, why I'm there, um, and why you should probably think about joining too if any of that appeals to you. Okay. Well, that's good. That'll be it for today, the first episode of Table in Latin. Again, just Google it. It's a good name. Um, <laughs> I, I like Spanish Idiot better. Span yeah, well, yeah, that's also something I found out very recently. But yeah, you know, Table in Latin, Spanish Idiot. We'll go with one of those. Let's just assume that it's going to be Table in Latin. Uh, thank you for joining us, and I hope to see you next time. Uh, from myself, Joel, Jason, Bye. See you at the AG. <laughs> See you at the AG. Oh, that's right. See you at the AG. You don't get to know what that is until you join. <laughs>